Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sense. Today in the studio today, I have a friend of mine, Chef Michael Brewer. Thanks for joining us, Chef. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here today. I love y'all. I just have to say I love me some Mike. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, there are certain people that you describe and I go, you know, he's just, he's Mike. I like, yeah. <laughs> He's Mike. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. And um, I uh, I got all excited. You know, we worked together a little bit for uh, some of the flood relief and got to know each other a little bit better and kind of bumped into each other at some seafood board events and uh, got to taste a lot of your food that I hadn't had a chance to taste. Yeah. And I got super excited. <laughs> and um my husband got super excited about a dish that you just did recently. What oh was boy. that dish? It was um, it was a dish for the uh, Louisiana Seafood Board over at Homeless House, and I just remember. Oh, that was the it bone was a, marrow and oh, onion consommé. Yes. Yeah, with the poached black grouper. Yes, yeah. that was so amazing. My, uh, I could have eaten just bowls and bowls of the consommé, and my husband, in fact, did. <laughs> And I kept thinking, next time I get a cold, I'm calling Chef Mike, and this is what I'm asking for, because it just seemed like one of those dishes that it heals you. It's one of those, it's it's super easy to make. That's really, you know, my focus is making things super easy, because I'm not that complicated of a guy. Uh, But that one is just roasted onions, and I pick up marrow bones from Whole Foods. They keep them in their little soup stock freezer. I throw those in, a little salt and pepper, and roast them for about 45 minutes at 400 degrees. And then I add a bunch of beef consomme and let that reduce, strain it off, and then reduce it a little more, and boom, you're finished. I mean, it takes about two hours, and and you really don't even have to look at it. You just put it on and let it go, and it's so easy, and it's just rich, and that bone marrow adds that umami kind of texture to it. It's just really, really good stuff. I love the idea of kind of simplifying but having wholesome food. And it seems like as fancy as we come up with names for dishes, sometimes the name takes longer to develop (laughs) than the dish itself. My wife tells me that all the time. She's like, what in the world does this mean? I said, well, I roasted it in fat, and then I call it confit. And she's like, well, why don't you just say roast in fat? You know, why can't you just use the regular word? She goes to restaurants and has to Google some of the words so she knows what grabiche is, you know? So I try and keep it simple if we can, because we eat with our eyes. So first, so when you read the menu, you want to make sure that the menu looks appealing. Sometimes those words really work. And sometimes you just want to know what it is. What it is. And I, you know, I feel like that when I see menus, uh, there was a trend for a little while. It seems to kind of be going away, but it would just say, whatever the name of the fancy name of the dish, whether it was like Ed's pork, you know, whatever they want to call it. And it would say pork, onion, garlic. Right. And I'm like, well, what, what, what is that? <laughs> like, I know what's in it now. That makes me happy. We're moving in that direction. But what, what is it? How do yeah, I know what I'm going to eat? <laughs> you know, one of the cool things about what I'm doing right now with elements is that I, I get to describe every dish to every guest. So they get that, that chef's table experience of talking to the chef and they can ask questions. So when I come up with some crazy word for it, I can tell them, you know, so the beef consomme takes two hours and this is how we do it. Or just recently we did a shrimp bisque. 
And I took 15 pounds of shrimp shells. Just So just imagine how many shells are in 15 pounds of shrimp shells. I roasted them in the oven, threw five gallons of cold water on it, whole bunch of just chopped up vegetables that I have left over, and I let that reduce, it was five gallons of water, down to about six cups wow. of stock. You know, and if, as a chef, if you describe that, if you just say shrimp stock on the menu, nobody really gets how much love goes into that dish. That's a good point. To make that flavor. But when the chef gets to come out and explain it and say, this is how we do it, then all of a sudden people's eyes light up and they say, I can't wait to try that. And unfortunately, we use, we lose some of that uh, description in between, it's lost in translation between the kitchen and the wait staff. You know, so it's really nice as a chef to be able to come out and tell people what you love, what you're really intense about. And Tori McPhail is probably the best in the city about that. I love listening to that guy describe a dish because it is like sitting at the feet of the Zen master, just, you know, <laughs> finding out what's going on. Well, I, so I have to ask you, you know, if you're you're going table to table, and we'll talk a little bit more in a bit about, you know, your new concept elements, but... Just as a chef, going table to table, talking about your food and explaining food to guests, what are the most common things that your diners want to know about what they're eating? Really, it comes down to ingredients and preparation. They want a sense of location of where the, where the food came from. So, you know, fortunately here in Louisiana, we've got so much fantastic seafood and we've got, you know, now we've got the Louisiana beef program and We've got the guys at Two Run Farms that are taking the feral hogs and fattening them up and making sure they're fit for consumption. So we can actually identify a sense of place that comes with the food. So they want to know about that. And then they want to know a little bit about how it's put together, you know, because they've all been watching the Food Network and they've been watching all these shows and they see, you know, old Justin Wilson on the on public television saying, you know, you put this with that and you end up with, you know, that. so they want to know the process behind it as well. So it's really fun to give them a brief insight into the love that we put into our food. And, you know, I, I my listeners out there, they're probably tired of me saying this because I say it, I swear, on every show. But you said it, too, the love we put in our food. And I feel like as a, a diner, as a chef, as a home cook, there's love all around. And when there's love in the food, the food tastes better. I think so. I mean, because if you think about it, Amy... When we're in the kitchen, I mean, that's our livelihood, but why did we pick this profession? It certainly doesn't pay all that well. And the hours are tremendously long. We're away from our family, so we do it so that we can establish a race relationship with our diners. You know, I look at it as folks that come in to dine with me, whether it was at the Sandwich or at, at Charlie's Steakhouse when I was there or Jackson or, or now at Elements, as I'm establishing a relationship with that person. And what better way to establish that than to show them the love that we exhibit into our craft? You know, not a lot of people get to say that, but we as chefs and bartenders, that's really the two, and artists, that's the three that really sort of stand out to me, that really put love into their work. And, you know, it it's so important to me that when I'm cooking, I'm in the right mental state as well. Because as we're putting love into our food, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Like Water for Chocolate, um, the old, the one that was in Spanish, not the remake that came out a few years ago. But, you know, there's it, the tears are falling into the dish and then everyone who's eating the dish starts crying and you start <laughs> going, OK, if I'm having I will tell my chefs if we're having a bad day, if we're frustrated with something, let's take a minute. 
and let's clear our head because I don't want to put the bad day in my dish because somebody may say, this just doesn't taste as good as it usually does. Right. And uh, I, there's something weird about that, but it seems to be so true. No, it's, it's exactly right because when we do have that bad day, we're – we're taking shortcuts. Our mind's not set on what it is. You know, when I had Jackson, one of the things I told our waiters is that, you know, if you have personal problems, if you have chemical dependencies, if you have whatever issue it is, you leave that at the door. The old the old joke is, you know, what do you call an out-of-work actor? A waiter. A waiter. Yeah, exactly. So let's all be actors. Put all that stuff outside. Clear your head. I usually do that with a shot of tequila. And <laughs> you know, it always heals Whatever the soul. Whatever works for right, you. Right, uh, But you put that out of your head, and then you go to work, and you focus on what you're trying to do, which is take two hours out of somebody's life and change their day. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that. And, you know, Chef Mike, I know you've you've been all over town, and you've, you've had some amazing dishes all over town, but now— you're getting to do something a little bit different. And before the show started, I kind of was giggling, going, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine how much work this is, having a restaurant that pops up. So first of all, tell our listeners, what is your new concept and where are they going to find you? So the new place is called Elements. And the the name came from, it's a seven-course tasting menu. And four of those main courses are based on the elements, earth, air, water, and fire. So we focus on that element for that particular dish. Usually earth will be some type of vegetable course. Air is some kind of a a fowl, be it duck, pheasant, quail, chicken, that kind of thing. Um, Fire is going to be something smoked or grilled. And then water is going to be a seafood course. So you sort of hit those things. We start with a welcome, which is a little amuse-bouche, a little taste to get you started. In my case, usually it's more than a little taste. Then there's an introduction, and we follow it by farewell. You know, as Shakespeare said, parting is such sweet sorrow. So we want to leave with something really sweet to, to want you to come back. And so where are y'all doing this? I'm inside Cooley, which is uh, 3625 Britannia Street. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. It's by reservation only, and we take reservations. One of the confusing things is we do things like a restaurant. So you call and you pick your time between 6 and 8.30. It's not what seating do you want. Uh, We only take 30 people per night. That's it. So every table is like a chef's experience. I get the the fulfillment of and the honor to come out and really describe the dishes to every guest that we have, which makes it a lot of fun for me. Well, I love that because, you know, over at Lingua, we do about 25 people. And there's something special about knowing that you have, you know, a three-hour window committed to these 25 people. And, you know, you're theirs, you know, they're yours. And there is, like, this connection that you get to have that a chef that has, you know, 500 people or, you know, and a catering event and a place upstairs that they're not getting to to be so personal with their clients. Right. And, you know, uh, however you want to put it, chefs have become the rock stars of the 2010s now, you know, and everybody wants to meet the chef. And I think Philip Lopez sort of started this whole thing with, with Square Root. Uh, and his concept of having 16 diners, and he gets to give personal attention to everyone. 
And you see it at the chef's table at Commander's and chef's table at Emeralds where either Tori or Dave are out there and they're really paying attention to the guest. And everybody wants that experience. So why not base a restaurant around that was sort of my concept when I started this, uh, was to make sure that everybody got personal attention. Keep it small, keep it focused, keep it tight so that everybody has fun. Well, I have to ask you, what is it like having a restaurant that you're moving in and out of someone else's restaurant space. Uh, you, you're changing. You, I love that your attention span is like mine because it seems like you're changing the menu as much as you possibly can, which keeps it fresh and exciting. But I can imagine creates more work on you as a chef uh, with prep and changes. But you're doing all this kind of like out of your car. I'm doing all of it out of my car. Exactly. Uh, I have a big 120-quart ice chest. We were talking earlier that I keep... 12 sets of seven different pieces of china in that I lug around. I've got two sets of, of sterling silver that I carry in my car to be able to serve. But we won't serve. tell anybody what your uh, no, license car plate looks number. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three dozen, no, I'm sorry, nine dozen wine glasses in my car to be able to serve wine. Uh, so it is a challenge, and and to the point about the menu, I change the menu every week. Last week was the first time I've ever repeated a dish. Uh, so Sunday is a day of watching Saints football and relaxing. Monday, I start working on the menu, and I have that written by Monday night with seven completely different dishes. Tuesday, I source. Wednesday, I prep. Thursday, we serve. So it, you know, my wife tells me, you only work three days a week. I'm like, oh, yeah, really? You want to <laughs> walk in my shoes for a while? And it is. It's very challenging to come up with seven brand new courses every single week, you know? Now, these seven courses that you're coming up with, are they things that you've done before? Or are they sometimes you're like, I'm going to throw this out there and see if it works? I'll tell you how the process works. I get on the Internet, and I'll usually Google Michelin star whatever. So let's say uh, Michelin star eggs. And I go to images and I look at pictures of eggs from Michelin star chefs. And I see one and I go, that looks cool. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what it's, how they did it, but I say, I want to make something that looks like that. So like this past week, ramen is huge in the city. It's huge. It's just booming right now between Yakamain Pho and ramen. You know, we've got this this Southeast Asian soup thing going on. So I said, all right, I love sous vide eggs. So let's take a sous vide egg and make it ramen. So the basis of the dish was a 63-degree egg that we did for an hour and 15 minutes. Pull it out, soft poach, crack it into a bowl. I took pork and different Asian spices, Chinese five-spice, star anise, all this kind of good stuff, lots of vegetables, threw it into a pot, and I cooked it on a rolling boil for about eight hours so that I really broke down the fats, strained it, and then reduced that by about two-thirds. So I got this super concentrated broth. I took tamari, I took soy, uh, uh, sake, and mirin, and reduced that down to a syrup. And so the dish was the poached egg with the little bit of the ramen broth and the syrup and the syrup and a little dot of chili sauce on top. So Yum. you got all the flavors that came out of ramen soup, but in two bites. 
I love that. So that's sort of how the, the, the creative process goes with me as I look at pictures and I go, that looks awesome. I want to try something like that. So it's, and it never ends up like the picture. Well, <laughs> it's your inspiration. It is. It is the inspiration <laughs> and then the flavors. And I always try and look at stuff that it, that's going on in New Orleans. So right now, the menu for this week, you know, it's fall. We've just passed Thanksgiving. We're in the heart of hunting season. Yes. So let's do a lot of wild meats. I've got quail. I've got venison. I've got wild boar pork belly going on in this menu. My heart is beating fast. <laughs> you you had me at quail, but <laughs> you throw a dove on there, it's right. game on. <laughs> there we go. So it's all that kind of fun stuff. And I try and base the menu around what's happening with the seasons, because elements, seasons, all that kind of stuff to keep it natural, keep it flowing with the cycles of the earth. And I can imagine that uh, you know, I, when I Google things and I'm trying to look at, at uh, menus, I often, I'm a word person. So mm-hmm. I want to read the menus um, and see what words they're using and what ingredients they're using. And so many times I go, Oh, good. I'm not crazy. Those two things do go together. (laughs) And you realize, okay, I'm not crazy. Someone else out there is crazier and has come up with this. So it's not a foreign idea. Is that something that you see that you go, I had this idea and I'm I'm now validated or I had this idea and yeah, I've lost my mind. Well, usually what will happen is I, I look at the picture and then I'll write a menu item and then I'll let my wife read it because she's the one that's the word person. And she looks at it and goes, uh, you're crazy. This will not work. <laughs> and I'll, I'm stubborn. So I'll put it together anyway. And then she tastes it and she goes, yeah, see, I was right. Or usually it's, hey, you did okay with this. You know, for instance, I did brown butter ice cream this weekend with uh, powdered milk, brown powdered milk solids and candied pork belly. And she's looking at it going, you can't put candied pork belly and buttered ice cream together. I'm like, yes, yes, you can. And she actually came in this weekend, and I got a clean bowl back from her. So I figured I did okay. All right. The thumbs up. And she's letting you stick around. So all is good. Yes. yes. (laughs) Well, you know, I was looking at some of the menus, and I I love that it is seasonal, and I love that it changes. And I imagine if—how many weeks have you been doing Elements? This is uh, 11, I believe. Okay. So 11 weeks, 11 different menus. Only a couple of things have been repeated— I would imagine that, I mean, is it possible to run out of ideas? How does that work? It's getting tough now. I mean, but, you know, fortunately, like I said before, the seasons the, the, and, the, and what we get into New Orleans fresh, you know. So Tori and I were t- texting back and forth during the game yesterday, and it turns out that Louisiana strawberries are in. Which I can't believe the first of December we're looking at Louisiana strawberries. So this week our dessert is going to feature Louisiana strawberries. So it, it it is difficult, but then again it's sort of not difficult because I look at what fish is coming in this week. So soft shell crabs are sort of gone. We're moving into other things, you know. Uh, oysters are now the the hot thing. So that that keeps it fun. But putting flavor concepts together with that is when it gets to be challenging. Uh, you know, as a chef in New Orleans, you know, you're just saying, oh, yeah, strawberries are in. I talk to people who are in California, and they kind of make their menu out a year in advance because they know what's in season. But we don't really have that luxury because if the weather changes, it's strawberries, then it's blueberries, and then it's, oh, my goodness, there's a freeze. We have to pick all the oranges off the trees this week, so everything needs to be orange. 
So as a chef, you kind of have to be completely adaptable. You really do. You really do. And, 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 you know, to that end, so as I sat at the Saints game yesterday while we were drilling the Rams, which I was really happy mm-hmm. about, uh, during the breaks or when the Rams had the ball, I'd jot down some ideas in my phone. And this is sort of how it goes. My water course, redfish is in fall, so we're catching redfish and specks like crazy right now. So I want to do a pan-fried redfish. We're going to take crabs, buster crabs and, and uh, gumbo crabs and reduce that down and make a demi out of that. Yum. To go with the fried... And then I go, and. And? I'm we don't lost, know yet. <laughs> yes, because I don't know what's going to be in this week. So I start looking at it, and I go, okay, well, I've got strawberries. I really don't want to put fish and strawberries together. But wait a minute. It's fall. What do we get in the fall? Satsumas, tangerines, oranges are starting to come in, lemons, grapefruits. So now I'm thinking citrus salad with some torn herbs. That crab demi's going to be nice with that. The fish. So that's sort of how the dish I love evolves it. is I write down the basic idea and then a day later, 12 hours later, two minutes later, something hits and I go, this will work. And we put the dish together. Well, what advice do you have for our listeners out there who are home cooks? It's the holidays. They're having dinner parties. They're having friends over and maybe they want to try to do like tasting portions or something really interesting. What advice do you have for someone who wants to go out and tackle their own multi-course dinner party in their home? Well, I prep every day in my kitchen at the house. Okay. I don't have a professional kitchen to be able to work with because Cooley is, you know, they do breakfast and lunch seven days a week over there with Heather. Uh, So I'm pretty adept at trying to make that happen. And what I really look at is what can I make now that will hold for three or four days and still taste as good or better Better. as the flavors come together so that I can start to prep on Monday and Tuesday and it's going to be done when Thursday rolls around. The next thing I look at is what's super fresh and what can I cook rather quickly. So fish is a good thing. I don't want to buy fish today for Thursday. I want to pick it up Thursday morning, and it will make it all the way till Saturday if I don't use it uh, during the day. So you have to play that juggling act of what can I prep and hold and what can I get super fresh and cook quickly to put everything together. And the next thing is don't try and get too ambitious with your tasting menu and have 14 different ingredients in every single dish. If you can cross-utilize things, you know, if you can do that citrus and you can do a citrus sort of like an ambrosia like my mom used to do growing up and use that for your dessert and then use the citrus in a salad with some savory elements to be able to put it with the fish, now you've knocked out two courses with one prep item. So that whenever I'm looking at things, that's how I'm trying to put things together uh, so that it doesn't just kill me while I'm trying to get ready for the holiday parties or for dinner at Elements. And I, I do find that uh, many of us do try to tackle too much. We get excited. We try to tackle too much, especially during the holidays when we want to impress everybody with what we have going on. And then we spend all our time focusing on doing the work and not actually visiting right. with our, our guests at our house. So I think that's um, brilliant to prep in advance, utilize the product in multiple ways, and uh, don't be too crazy with ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest thing, you know, as you come back and, and like I said, you put, you've got, I've got 14 items in the, in I'm doing five courses and I've got 14 items in each one. So now look, I've got a hundred different things I have to bring home 
to be able to work with. And a lot of things to chop and cut. Exactly. And there's no sous chef or line cook standing there going, hey, I need a, you know, I need a rough chop on this. Um, you know, and, and, and the fun part about it is, so we do a lot of Christmas stuff. And I am not a baker, but I do bake during Christmas. So one of the things I love are those little Italian wedding cookies, Mm -hmm. you know. So I love making those. But So I'll make them for the house. But I'm like, well, what can I do to turn that into an elegant dessert, you know. So I just bought a new ice cream maker. Oh, fun. So I'm thinking about making that brown butter ice cream that I made before that's Ooh. super, and then crumbling those cookies into or it. Or an ice cream sandwich. Yes, something like that. <laughs> but once again, now you've taken holiday dessert ideas and things that we can do, and you change that and morphed it into a dish that you can serve very elegantly at a dinner party without much prep work between the two. And I love that idea, and I love the idea of... Um, you know, utilizing something in a different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you may make it a cookie, but maybe you're going to use it as the crust of a cheese, a no-bake cheesecake now, or you're going to do all these things because at the holidays, we always have so much of something left over because right. we, we want to cook so much for everybody and then they don't <laughs> eat as much as we think. And you're like, what are we going to do with all this? And so reinventing what you have left over right. is a great idea. And then you just have more people over and they don't know that you just served them the same thing you gave them last week. <laughs> we, do, we do that every year. So I end up with a bunch of turkey left over. There's, everybody has turkey, dressing, gravy, and cranberry sauce left over. So a few years ago, I said, I did something wild. I cooked off the turkey carcass and made stock out of it. Wow. Yeah, that's really tough. You know, you put <laughs> on a pile of water and let it sit all night, and then you're done with that. Strained it off, shredded all the extra meat that I had left. Well, if I'm going to make gumbo, I need roux. Yeah. But I don't want to make roux. I got a pan full oh. of dressing. Yeah. So I put the dressing in, and that became my roux to thicken the gumbo. And then you add your gravy. And then I add gravy. <laughs> and then, you know, for, for for bleeps and giggles, I ended up throwing cranberry sauce in there, too. And now every year my wife looks at me and goes, are you making the turkey gumbo? Are you making the turkey gumbo? You know, so once again, we've taken all those leftovers, we've transformed it, and now you got a great thing to eat on Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving or after Christmas while you're sitting back watching football. I love it. So. I love it. Um, well, Chef Mike... We are almost out of time. It goes fast. It goes so fast. (laughs) You know, time flies when you're having fun. But if you'll tell our listeners again um, where Elements is located, how they make a reservation, um, maybe how much it costs, and all that good stuff. So we are at 3625 Britannia Street inside Cooley. If you're not familiar with Cooley, it's where the Bluebird Cafe used to be. Everybody knows right there by Tora Hospital. Uh, It's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, unless we've got something crazy going on like we do this week. Uh, it's $65 per person, taxes included, tip is not. I used to be the sommelier at Commander's Palace, so every once in a while I'll put wine recommendations down. That is strictly for people to take to places like Martin's or the Wine Cellar or Ben 428 and say, hey, I'm going to this dinner, this is what they recommend, what should I bring? There's no corkage fee. Awesome. So you just bring it in, I've got the wine glasses, you come back, you sit back, you enjoy yourself and have fun. Uh, it's uh, by reservation only. Our menu is always posted on Facebook. You can find us at Element Nola, Elements Nola. Uh, the menu will be there. It's also on my Facebook page. I put it on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. But this has been sort of an experience in social media. So that's really how we do everything. 
Uh, my phone number is associated with it. You can text me. You can call me. You can do all that kind of stuff for a reservation. I love it. And it's a great, this is a great gift to give someone for the holidays that wants to uh, kick back, relax and not have to cook. So uh, let, let Chef Mike cook for you in the next few weekends. Uh, And thank you for joining me today. Uh, We had Chef Michael Brewer from Elements on. Until next time, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Ciao.